on this episode of the podcast, episode 44, my goodness gracious, I'm going to talk about hot tubs, Valentine's Day, and we're going to talk about the films I've been watching. What an exciting new segment that is. I mean, like, is it? It's happened once already, so yeah, whatever. Anyway, let's get into it. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another edition of the Luke Who's Talking podcast with me, Luke. How are you going out there? How are you? Are you okay? Or are you average? I don't know. I feel I'm going to be breathing heavily in this. Anyway, what? why did I say? I don't know why I said that. Anyway, hey, let's get into the first story of the first whatever I've got for you. So the other week, uh, a sibling of mine, it was their birthday. So they're actually house-sitting a place at the moment. So this particular place, their house-sitting, there is a hot tub there and I was talking to my and I was talking to my brother about it and he's like oh yeah it's a um it's a homemade job and I'm like okay and he goes it's it's a water tank you know cut in half I'm like, oh okay hmm interesting anywho so uh, my sibling okay my sister uh <laughs> she's having a bit of a barbecue whatever for her birthday and she mentioned you know we've got a huge hot tub bring your your togs and um slip in so I thought, oh, rightio, hmm, could be interesting. So I took my boardies. Now, with my brother saying, oh, yeah, it was a homemade job, I was not sure at all what to expect. Like, it's going to be like pretty much a tank cut in half sitting in the garden, right? Anyway, turned up, it wasn't that at all. It was, a, I tell you what, geez, oh, it was well done. It was very, it was very professionally done, this uh, homemade hot tub ensemble. Um, I was, you know, I was very unsure what to sort of expect, but... It was very good, and the person's person whose house uh, my sister's um, house sitting. I would, I would for sure get this person around to my residence and be like, build me a hot tub like what you've got at your place because it was pretty well done. So it was a water tank of one of the plastic ones, um, cut in half. It was pretty deep as well. I would say standing at how I'm about. Oh, I'm not quite six foot. Um, I'm about five, eight or nine, um, whatever 177 centimetres is in feet for you people who work on feet when it comes to height. I It was about to my waist standing in it, and then when I got onto my knees, the water was just um, about my neck. It was about neck height for me when I was on my knees. So it was pretty deep. One thing I wish it actually had was like a bit of a, a seat or something inside it so you could sit down in it. Anyway, it was very well done and it was wood fire heated. So there was a wood fire that you fuel up and then witchcraft happens through various pipes and that heats and warms the water. So I think uh, my sister had the fire going for like a day or so before. Anyway, as a result, the water was very very it was quite hot <laughs> when I got in it was quite hot and like I didn't get in straight away when I got there it was like it was a while we got in it like later in the evening and uh, it had gotten dark and whatnot so it was uh, it was very hot in this it was absolutely a hot tub and it was it was sort of got to the point where you'd get in and um <clears throat> I was standing in the water so, you know, the water was about my um, uh, waist height, 
as a bit of a bit of an estimate of the height. And anyway, so my top half of my magnificent rig, of course, was not in the water. However, because the water was that hot and it was creating a bit of steam, whatever else, I was actually sweaty. <laughs> I was sweating because it was that hot. But it was really it was a really well done homemade hot tub where my brother's like, oh yeah, it's homemade. It's a water tank cut in half. And it's wood fired. I was like, what is this? I've, like, is it going to be some, it's going to be like awful. But it was, oh, it was pretty well done. It didn't have like jets or anything like that. But um, no, it was really good. It was sort of like, you know, it was like a pool except hot. It was a hot pool. Well, I suppose that's what a hot tub is, isn't it? Anyway, but it was really good and it was really hot as well. And uh, yeah, it made me sweaty. Welcome back. So last last Friday, I think it was, yeah, last Friday, it was Valentine's Day. Now, Valentine's Day, uh, you know, if you want to, want to subscribe to Valentine's Day, that's great. I'm sure if I had a partner, I would hop on the Val train. However, I had a thought about Valentine's Day, spurred on by, you know, everybody getting stuff and it being, you know, on the interwebs. And it made me think, is Valentine's Day, is it a day that's being cooked up, I won't, like, yeah, cooked up, implemented for people who are lousy boyfriends, partners, wives, whatever. Oh, just lousy partners. Because it's like a day of accountability. Because if you don't do anything for your partner on Valentine's Day, you're a heathen, you're a scoundrel and all that jazz. So, you know, it got me thinking... If if that's if that's right, if Valentine's Day was, uh, you know, cooked up, cooked up, come come about because somebody was a lazy partner, you know, was was uh, Valerie was Valerie disappointed with, um, I don't know what's a, what's a Valerie could could have been disappointed with Adam because Ad, you know, so you got Adam and Eve, Valerie came along, right. Adam left Eve for Valerie, but Valerie, like, Valerie's not as good as Eve. However, uh, Valerie wasn't happy with Adam because he was being a lousy, bit of a lousy boyfriend, bit of a lousy partner. So Valerie thought, hey, I'm going to come up with Val, Valentine's Day. So I'll say to Adam, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, What are you going to get me? And he'll be like, oh, oh, I've got to do something on Valentine's Day because it's like a special day. I don't think, I think if you're a good partner, you shouldn't need sort of a day like Valentine's Day to for you to do something nice for your significant other. Because, you know, I... I feel it, it is sometimes like, it, it feels a little bit like a day of accountability. It's like that and a birth, birthdays and Christmas. They're sort of like the three days of accountability. If you don't do something for your partner, you're a bit of a lousy partner. Or, you know, they're the three days that you that people probably always do something nice for their partner. But you should do things every day or every week or whatever. Don't be like, don't have the mentality, oh my God, Valentine's Day is coming up. I've got to do something. You should be like, oh my God, it's Wednesday tomorrow. Actually, it's not. It's Saturday tomorrow. Heck, I should take Valerie out and um, 
you know, take Val out for a, what's Valerie like? A gin and tonic, right? Take Valerie out for a gin and tonic and some oysters down at Geranimo's, okay? <laughs> That's a little bit of something there for the locals. Um, yeah, but... Do you get what I'm? You know, do you, do you get what I'm saying? And I actually, and I noticed somebody. This is a hot take and a half. Oh, is it? I don't know. But anyway, well, I noticed somebody on the internet had they got a they got some roses, classic, and they got a uh, I think it was like a little note too with them from who uh, if they their significant other. And this little note, I thought I didn't read it, but I sort of saw it on Facebook because I was scrolling through, and um, <clears throat> it was typed out. And I thought to myself. I personally probably would have handwritten that because it just adds a little bit more personality, a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more something to it. Yeah, I did think that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, you, you shouldn't need, it's like, you know, you shouldn't need these days of accountability almost to do something nice for your partner, partner to do something nice for your husband, for your wife, for your boyfriend, for your girlfriend, for your kid. I mean, you're not going to do anything, I suppose. You'd be like, oh, it's Valentine's Day. Hey, little little newsy, do you want to go down to, you know, the park? Oh, well, I suppose that could happen, but I guess not. But, you know, you shouldn't need, like, say, these days, you know, Christmas, birthdays, Valentine's Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day. They're sort of like, they're almost like days of accountability. You shouldn't need these days of accountability. You should do nice things loving things all the time. That's how Bandrew keeps Cheryl. It's obvious because he's a smooth operator. He's a Casanova. He's a whatever. <laughs> that's enough about Valentine's Day. Now, actually, now that said, all that said, excuse me, that's a peak and a half there. Um, All that said, probably when I do get myself a uh, fair maiden, I'm probably going to need these quote-unquote days of accountability because I'll probably be a really lousy boyfriend. But heck, we'll see what happens when we get there. The film's coming up next. Welcome back, everybody. Now, as uh, some of you may know, I've got a goal this year to watch 100 films and I've done, I don't know how many I've done, 10, 12, something like that. Anyway, so last time I talked about the I think it was the six films I'd watched up to that point. Um, not last time, the one before. Anyway, whenever I review them, whatever. I'm going to talk about the, the couple of films I've watched in recent times. So, since you last heard me talk about these, I've watched A Beautiful Mind. I actually can't remember. The, the films sort of escaped my brain a little bit, but Russell Crowe does a great job. Um, actually, everybody in the film does a. It's a really good, solid movie. And it's a real roller coaster as well, because you're like, oh, the guy from A Knight's Tale, he's real. Like, he's an old plot twist, he's actually not a person. So you're like, oh. Anyway, A Beautiful Mind, uh, Ron Howard film, good, solid movie. I gave it three and a half. It's That's most definitely worth a watch. You And then I got into a, a James Bond. You only live twice. Now, I think this is the fifth Bond film. 1967, this has got some problems because it's sort of the Japanese Bond film, could I say, and there is some Japanese stereotypes. 100% the worst thing in the movie is when they're like, oh, Bond, we're going to make you Japanese. That bit's not great. And um, But 
the villain Blofeld, Donald Pleasance, he does a great job. I actually would have liked to, because Blofeld's in a couple other movies after this one, and it would have been great if Donald Pleasance came back to to be Blofeld in the subsequent movies, but that didn't happen for whatever reason. Anyway, 1967, You Only Live Twice. I gave it three just because, you know, I like Bond. I like Bond films. It had the Bond stuff. It had a some like it had some had some good action and that sort of stuff. So I gave it uh, three stars. Next up, we've got excuse me, a few good men. Um, what's his name? Who's that writer guy? Oh, he's he's he he escapes me. Ah, oh, Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin wrote this film. Pretty sure. Aren't they going to turn this into a TV series or something? Apparently, or are we going to do a remake or something? I'm not sure. Anyway. A few good men. Once again, good solid cast. I'm not a Tom Cruise fan at all, but he's solid. He plays like a smart ass twerp really well in this. The build up and like climax sort of at the, in the courtroom with the um with the whole I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I don't like what a, that that is the most quoted thing of this um most probably one of the most quoted movie lines ever but after that what happens after that the escalation um you know what what comes after that point actually matters this that line doesn't really matter to the to the movie at all but what happens after that is something that actually matters to the story and to um you know the objective and whatever of of the film tom cruise and his his guys what they want comes after that line, that line's like a, it's almost like a throwaway line at some point, but um, in some in some aspect. But um, yeah, I've got, I've got I've written here in my uh, review on Letterbox that uh, this film is is like a Columbo crossed with Jag and a pinch of NCIS. What do you reckon about that? Something like that, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, a few good men, three and a half. The next one, without a clue. Now this has uh, got Ben Kingsley and Michael Caine in it. And it's really fun. It's an interesting twist on the Sherlock Holmes, um, Sherlock Holmes, Doctor Watson sort of thing. I feel because Ben Kingsley he he plays Doctor Watson, and now the Sherlock Holmes books I believe are written as if Doctor Watson wrote them. If that makes sense. So in this particular world, Doctor Watson he writes the stories. They get published. And Michael Caine is just an actor he hires to be Sherlock Holmes and whom is an absolutely lousy detective where, you know, Ben Kingsley, uh, you know, Dr. Watson actually does the detecting. And there's a bit in the movie where Dr. Watson goes, I'm done with you, Holmes, you're fired. And then he goes to a crime scene. He's like, oh, I'm Dr. Watson, the crime doctor. And everybody's like, get out of here. But as soon as he's like, oh, yes, I know Sherlock Holmes. They're like, oh, my God, tell Sherlock he's awesome. And um, and there's a, there's a really good bit in the movie where they're investigating. So Watson, he has to go and get Sherlock Holmes back or the, the Reginald Kincaid, the guy's actually called, the actor's called. He has to go and get him back and hire him as Sherlock Holmes. And there's a really funny scene where they're there investigating uh, Sonic, because what's ha- what ha- has happened is the stamp for five pound note has been stolen from the from the um, 
from the mint, from the you know the, the bank, Royal Bank of England. The five pound note printer uh, stamp has been stolen. So they're there, and Sherlock's looking in the vault and looking at various things. And there's people around him, and Watson's sort of standing behind these people. And Sherlock asks, "Who had access to this vault?" And the guy gives like reels off three names. And then you see this the shot is you see a sort of over the shoulder, could I say, of of Watson. You see the the other people in front of Watson, and then Holmes is in the vault. And Holmes looks and he goes, "I want to speak to this." He pauses. And then Watson holds up his holds up three fingers, and then Sherlock goes, "I want to speak to this third person." <laughs> That's it's like really funny. There's like little various little quirks like that throughout the film. I gave it three. It's uh, it's a fun time. It's most definitely worth a watch. That's for sure. Um, and then I watch, watched uh, a western, a fistful of dollars with uh, good old Clint Eastwood, the first in the Dollars trilogy of films. Um, you know, it's a bit of fun and it's, it's really easy because Clint Eastwood, he, like he doesn't, we're used to a lot of movies have a lot of dialogue, a lot of talking, and there's not really much talking in this. And I think, well, it's a good while before we actually see Clint Eastwood in the first place. And then like, he doesn't say anything for, well, I think it's, oh, I've written here, it's like seven minutes. He doesn't like, nobody says anything until uh, like seven minutes or whatever into the film. It's really interesting. Um, and Clint Eastwood, he's an interesting character because you're sort of like, ah, eh, you know, it'll be all right if he gets, he's sort of, he's like an anti-hero because he does things that cause basically, uh, he's responsible pretty much for the death of a whole family and their destruction of their home because he's scamming things. And he uses a woman that he, a woman that he then saves, he like uses her, maneuvers her um, and, and uses her as part of one of these like, these scam things he's pulling, so it's interesting, but um, all works out in the end, doesn't it? Anyway, I gave it two and a half. It's you know, it's it's worth. It's a spaghetti western, so you know, it's it's a bit of fun. Hey, hey, give it a watch. I don't think any of these movies I've watched so far. Oh, except um, Twenty One Jump Street. Stay away from that. But the other ones, I think, yeah, probably worth a watch for sure. And um, the other night, I watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I had a real fun time watching this. When they get to the chocolate factory itself, and we see Willy Wonka for the first time, that's about halfway through the movie. And everything before that, I is it's got to be there, but I wasn't overly invested in it. But you know, it's it's solid. It's a fun time. And actually, <laughs> actually, there's a bit when they're at school after the Wonka after the Wonka competition's over, and the teacher's like, "Okay, children, we've got to learn about percentages. Let's say we'll use the recent Wonka thing uh, competition as a as an example." He's like, "Oh, okay, so I've got a thousand Wonka bars, okay." Um, and he's like, okay, okay, little Janice, how many did you have? And she's like, well, I looked at a hundred and he's like, oh, that's 10%. And somebody was like 150 and he's like, oh, okay. That's, you know, that's 10% half again. You know, it's 15%. And then he asks Charlie, oh, how many Wonka bars did you look at? And Charlie's like two. And the guy's like 200. And Charlie said, says no, two. And the teacher, I'm sure he was like, oh, well, that's too small. I can't work out a percentage from that. What an idiot! It's two percent. My what a ah, oh, what an idiot! Actually, it's less than two percent because if you have a hundreds ten percent, 
20 would be 2%. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. So it would be like, what, 0.2. Is that is that right? Is that maths? Anyway, the guy's like, oh, I can't figure that out. Like, oh, my kitchen. Righto. What a clown. Seriously. But when they get into the factory, it's real fun. Um, and when they, like the first bit they get into the chocolate room, I just thought somebody's had to have made this. Like they have had to have made these sets and they're magnificent. They're really, really interesting and fun to look at. Um, and like that contrast, because the first half of the movie is very sort of grey when you Charlie's, you know, his poor little kid, it was very grey and very average. But then when you get to the chocolate factory, into the factory, there's lots of colours, you know, of course. Uh, Willy Wonka himself has a purple blazer he wears. He has his top hat now. Actually, something I thought was really funny is when they get into the TV room and have their white suits on, Wonka still has his hat on. <laughs> I was like, wait, where's getting your hat on for, mate? But fun movie. It's an absolute classic. Gene Wilder does a great job. He he plays snarky. He plays crazy. He plays, you know, unsympathetic. And he's he's really great. And... Yeah, there's a real, I like. I really do like the bit where he's like he's real casual and fun and like yeah, I'm Willy Wonka throughout the movie. But when they get to the end and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, you just go out through that door, or whatever. And they go, he goes into his office, and then Charlie and Grandpa Joe are like, okay, where's our chocolate? What do we? And they, and they go and see Wonka. It's really funny to me. Everything in his office is like there's half of everything, and then, and then you know. When questioned why Charlie didn't get the chocolate, he just flips out. He just goes crazy. He goes, he's just absolutely burko. And he says to, you know, Grandpa Joe, you know, the, the famous um, lines, you know, you get nothing, you lose. Good day, sir. And then I, I also found it really funny. He goes to his file, like his, his safe, which is half a safe, and he opens the door to get out this. Uh, you know, copy of this contract they signed before they went in. It's like you didn't have to open it; you just put your hand inside of it. It's like it's, it's got no side on it. But yeah, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, four and a half. I, I went there. I went hard. I'm like, had a fun time. Four and a half stars. Do I regret giving it four and a half stars? A little bit, but who? Whatever. I mean, it's it's a fun time. We'll be back after this to wrap things up. Wow, this is a long pod. Well, that is it for this episode of the podcast, everybody. I, I'm not going to use the title, it's a long pod for this podcast. I guarantee it. You know what I might lose? Use? You lose, good day, sir, as the title. What I know. Anyway, I'll catch you next time, and uh, I've, I won't be talking about movies next time, so it will be of regular length, the episode of the pod. Anyway, I'll catch you then. Bye. <laughs>
nothing from them. So nothing from Blunty, nothing from Larsi. Ladies, come on. But anyway, I'm not I'm not worried about that because I've moved on from Emily Blunt and Brie Larson also, and also ScoMo and Co. I'm now firmly in the Shakira camp. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I did see the Super Bowl, Bowl halftime and I was like, wow, Shakira, I remember her and I um, been, started listening to a bit of Shaq. So and I thought, oh, she's gorgeous, isn't she? She's beautiful. So, Shakira, if you're out there listening... Now, I know you've got, I think you've got two kids and you've got like a husband or whatever, but hey, you want to go on a date? Just let me know. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that is actually the end of the show. I'll see you next time.